So I wanted to talk a little bit about our distinctives or our values as a church. We we like to kind of organize ourselves around um, the values of word, spirit, uh, the church's family, and mission. In fact, we we like to call ourselves a a family on mission with God. And so um, I thought that it would be helpful just to talk a little bit about what um, those things mean to us and um, you know, kind of just how we're anchored as a church and, and where we get, um, you know, our just our, the distinctive identity that makes us uh, who we are. And, and so the, the only place really to start is um, at the base of the pyramid, or I guess the top, depending on how you want to describe a pyramid. But for us, um, the word of God is the place that our faith begins and, uh, and really ends also because we, uh, believe that the Word of God is um, uh, the Bible and that uh, we call it the Word of God because we believe that the Bible is uh, inspired by God. You know, we believe that the Bible is uh, written uh, by God uh, in the sense that uh, He intended it to be for us. And uh, we believe that it it has the ability to teach us and to train us how to live in godliness. And why do we believe that? Well, because uh, it tells us that that's what it's designed to do. And one of the key passages that we use is that passage in Second uh, Timothy uh, three, where uh, Paul says to Timothy that all Scripture is God breathed and it's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and uh, training in righteousness. And so. Uh, you know, we know that God used humans to uh, write the Bible, but we believe that God uh, worked through his divine inspiration, through the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pen the pages of scripture. And so, you know, that that's a real important thing to like land upon. And I, I often tell our people like, hey, you know, if you're going to be with us, like, you know, you, you have to have a certain level of agreement with the principles uh, that we hold dear, the doctrines and the theological perspective that we hold dear, but but the main thing that we gotta know when it comes to theology and principles, if you if you want to be a part of what's what God's doing here, is that the, the word of God is going to be held at a really high uh, level of authority. It is our ultimate authority. Like we're not making up, um, you know, the manual for how to do church, for how to be the church, for how to follow uh, God. We are taking our cues uh, from Scripture, and that's first and foremost. And, uh, you know, we, we know that not only does scripture, uh, you know, tell us, like I just uh, gave the example of uh, Paul's writing to Timothy that, uh, you know, the word of God is inspired, but we, we also believe, you know, Jesus uh, seemed to believe that scripture was inspired and uh, useful. We see Jesus quoting scripture all over the place in his teaching, um, quoting oftentimes, of course, from the Old Testament the Hebrew Bible, if you will. But so it would even seem, you know, some Christians these days can get into squabbles about whether or not we should even pay attention to the Old Testament. But I mean, we believe that Jesus paid attention to the Old Testament. And so when he said that I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, we believe that he he was validating uh, the writings of the Old Testament. And so uh, we are a Bible-believing church. We're a Old Testament and New Testament words of Jesus, words of the apostles, words of the prophets, and of the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. Uh, we believe that the whole Bible, all 66 books, 
are inspired by God and for us, useful for us today. And, and so our view of the scriptures really drives everything else that we do as a church. And, uh, and that's why I, I put that value right at the base of the pyramid. Uh, in terms of distinctives, we are also, um, you know, what some people would call a charismatic church. Now, it is, uh, it's, it's sometimes dangerous to use labels because as soon as I use a label, there's maybe half the room is helped by that label while the other half was just like, oh, charismatics, those are people that do this, this, that, or the other. And so maybe, you know, labels are dangerous. But what I mean by that is that we just believe that um, the Bible teaches us or demonstrates to us that the uh, miraculous gifts of God's Holy Spirit are still at work today and that God could still move and work in wonders in powerful ways in miraculous ways. Uh, today uh, through the life uh, of the believer. So one of our key distinctives is that uh, we believe the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, the so-called charismatic gifts of the Spirit, are still for us today uh, as a church. And um, so I say first and foremost that we are uh, a church that values the Word of God. And then uh, secondly, we are a church that values the Spirit of God. And we do not think that these two things are in contrast. Um, and, uh, you know, some people, uh, come into their, um, their charismatic leanings, their, their, um, Holy Spirit leanings by an experience that they had, you know, maybe they were at some meeting or, or had an experience and a d divine encounter with God. And, uh, we don't deny experience, but, um, you know, in fact, in my own personal testimony is that, um, you know, I grew up in a church that was not very charismatic. Uh, we were conservative. We were the the quote unquote frozen chosen. Um, and uh, but we we did believe that God could still work in miraculous ways. Um, but we didn't really. We were kind of guarded about how He might do that, you know. And um, you know, uh, as I studied the scriptures, um, I realized that man, you know, um, God moves in power. Uh, often in the New Testament. In fact, in the book of Acts, I mean, my goodness, it does seem as if uh, his mission uh, to build his church was powered by the Spirit. And, uh, you know, in fact, Jesus said when he left the earth, and this is amazing, um, but Jesus said that when he left the earth, it would actually be better for his disciples than when he was here because he was leaving them his Holy Spirit. And so uh, we believe that the Word of God teaches us uh, about the Spirit of God and how the Spirit powers our lives and how the presence of God through His Spirit indwells every believer. And so we, we want to be a church that's not only faithful to the Scriptures, but a church that's pursuing the Spirit of God and um, eagerly desiring. That's actually Paul's language, eagerly desiring that the Spirit of God would move in power in our lives. Uh, I find that sometimes, like, for example, uh, growing up, I had a pastor who, you know, told me, hey, I'm open to the idea of God working, you know, in miraculous ways. In fact, this pastor told me, I prayed for the gift of tongues uh, to come and that God would fill me with that gift. And I just, you know, I never received that gift, but I'm open to uh, God moving in that way. And I think that openness is great, but it's it's amazing. Actually, Paul teaches us not just to be open but to eagerly desire uh, the gifts of the Spirit, especially that we would uh, prophesy. And so uh, we want to be a church that's not just open to the miraculous movement of the Spirit. We want to be a church that's eagerly desiring that gift. And uh, we recognize that we all come from different backgrounds. 
Um, some of us lean really easily and heavily um, on our own, just by nature almost, into um, the Spirit of God and the powerful works of God, the miraculous. And some of us have more hesitancy uh, towards those things. And maybe, you know, we have good reason because some of us have seen excesses in the charismatic church. Um, some people have maybe even experienced abuse uh, by the name of the Spirit of God. But we just acknowledge that, um, you know, misuse should not lead us towards no use and that right use is actually the um, the proper example. Um, in fact, that's what we see in the New Testament teachings of Paul, where Paul um, came in and instructed orderly use of the gifts of God, especially the gift of tongues and prophecy in, uh, in, in the meetings of the local churches that he was writing to. And so, I mean, it's our aim to use the gifts of the Spirit in a way that is good and right, that's edifying the church, that's equipping believers, building people up, and also, I believe, is driving mission. You know, I think um, one thing that I, is actually really interesting, because this idea of being a word and spirit church, it's actually sort of rare in the United States um, for whatever reason. Um, but uh, we actually, you know, um, we know some churches in uh, England, the United Kingdom, and um, it's way more common in that area. So I think it's possible that for whatever reason, maybe as a response to some of what some, you know, excesses or misuses, um, that some of the American church has kind of grown, um, you know, hesitant with things of the spirit. Because in the in the U.S., it seems like you either have word churches that tend to be more, um, you know, cessationist, um, or you have Pentecostal churches, you know, who kind of swing to the extreme of saying that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not even saved. And so we we would say that, you know, what we see in scripture is that, um, you know, the, the spirit gives many gifts and tongues are just one of the gifts that we see expressed by the in, indwelling of the spirit. I mean, the, I think one of the the things you see first that, that um, no one, you know, has any problem with bold proclamation of God's truths. That's actually one of the first uh, um, signs of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we see in Scripture when Peter gave his great sermon after Pentecost. You know, remember, Jesus had just, you know, been put on trial. Peter had no guts whatsoever. He denied Christ three times and then went back to fishing. And after being filled with the Spirit after Pentecost, now all of a sudden he's preaching one of the greatest sermons that's ever been preached. So, you know, uh, people have problems with tongues at times because it's crazy. People aren't sure what to do with miracles or even the prophetic, but people have no problem embracing uh, the gift, the Holy Spirit's gift of bold proclamation, boldness, and preaching. And so we believe that, you know, the gifts aren't all just like weird. Some of these gifts are very normal, like teaching and preaching, uh, for example. But we believe that all um, of these gifts are exactly that, gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts that God gives the believer to uh, equip the believer, to edify the believer, and to build his church. And so, man, we want to be all about those things. Like, why wouldn't we want those things? And so uh, we are trying to eagerly press into the gifts of the Spirit here at Extra Valley Church, not just because we've had some crazy experience, but because we believe that this is what we see in Scripture, and we want to be faithful to Scripture. So another value that we have as a church is uh, family, and we believe that uh one of the most common ways that the church is described in scripture is as a family. So one of the first places where we get this idea of the church being a family 
is in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus' family is kind of not sure what to do with him. He's saying some really remarkable things. Um, the crowds are following him. He's performing many miracles, healing people, and his family's just not sure what to do with him. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus is speaking to the crowd, and um, someone tells him that his mother and his brothers are standing outside. And uh, he replies uh, to this guy, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he points to the disciples and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So this is one of the first places that we see Jesus talk about his church, his followers as a family. And the apostle Paul will go on to continue to use uh, this type of language. In fact, the apostle Paul uses uh, the language uh, for the church as the household of God. So to the Apostle Paul, the church was a household. It was a family. And we believe that the church is a family. But it's not just a family for the sake of family. We believe that the church is a family for the sake of mission. And so we like to call ourselves a family on mission with God. See, um, you know, people often come to church for relationships. And I mean, community is super important. We were designed, I believe, uh, to be in community with one another. In fact, I think that, you know, you can't live the life of faith uh, without community. But community, uh, if we're not careful, can become an end of itself. And uh, I like to call this like country club Christianity, where, you know, the church exists just to be like a social uh, gathering spot where you have friends and you have relationships. I believe you can have those things at, uh, in the church, but when a church becomes insular like that, it's not living on mission. And so we like to describe the church as a family on mission with God. Uh, and, and what we mean by that is we're an outward facing circle. Certainly, um, we are trying to build a sense of family here. We are trying to be a family here. We're trying to fight for relationships like you would fight for the relationships that are blood. But we believe that you know it's our job to not just exist for each other, but to reach out and grab other people and bring them into this family. In fact, that we think that that's you know one of the things that is meant by the phrase you know extending God's kingdom or bringing God's kingdom down to earth. And so uh, we believe that it's our mission to bring others into this family. And and this is the exact picture uh, that we see in Scripture. See, because God brings uh, the lonely into his family. He takes the outcast and he puts them in relationship, gives them a place of belonging. And so uh, this is the type of family that we want to multiply, not an insular family that exists only for itself, but a family that's facing outward on mission with God. We believe that the primary mission of the church is to go and make disciples of all nations. And this is uh, what we call in scripture, the great commission. Some of Jesus's last words in the gospel of Matthew were to go and make disciples and uh, to do that for all nations, for all people groups, for the entire world, and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, to go and make disciples, converting them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of, and of the Holy Spirit. And then 
the third part there of our mission is to teach them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And so we we believe that as a family, this is the mission that God is on, and we want to be with him on his mission. We feel like we've been invited by him on mission, and so we want to act in obedience, and we want to act uh, out of a sense of relationship with him to do the things and to be about the things that he's about. And so, um, you know, I think sometimes we've lost sight potentially in um, our, um, especially in our, our Christian kind of subculture. Um, and not all communities kind of have a Christian uh, subculture, but in this little rural, rural community that we're a part of, um, there is a bit of a, a Christian subculture. And in a Christian subculture, sometimes people say things like, you know, I'm baptized, so then I'm saved. And, uh, and then they don't actually ever live like Jesus lived or do the things that Jesus did or even try very hard to obey the things he commanded. And we believe that a really key part is not just to convert people into faith and baptize them, but to also teach people and walk with people, to disciple people. And it's our aim that we would actually live the way Jesus called us to live. And, um, you know, that can be a hard calling. It's, it's, um, it's difficult to think about living uh, to the standard that the Son of God uh, set. But we, we think that Jesus' life-giving ways uh, will continue to reproduce life as we submit our lives to them. We believe that following Jesus's ways is uh, the best way to see our lives transformed. And so we're pretty committed to doing the best that we can to uh, living like disciples ourselves and, and teaching uh, those who come into our church to obey the things that he's commanded. So as we submit ourselves uh, to the teachings of God's word, as we submit ourselves to the authority of the inspired words of God, we uh, we are powered and guided by His Holy Spirit into all wisdom, into all practice uh, for the life of our faith, for the life of our church, and uh, we want to be a people who are led by God's Word and informed into wisdom by His Spirit, so that we can truly be uh, the family that He's called us to be on mission with Him to see all things made new uh, in our community and in the world around us. I'm excited to continue to grow uh, with one another uh, as we seek to be a people who are committed to his word, who are surrendered to his spirit, who are living life uh, uh, like his family and who are, are you know, devoting ourselves uh, to his mission. And I just, uh, I look forward like eagerly to what God will do and the stories of transformation that will come to people in and around us as we just commit each you know commit individually to uh, living the way that he's called us to live by his word and through his spirit